Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for Sports Talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome to Around the Dial for Thursday, January the 3rd. DA with you. And right now, this time of year, the NFL coaching carousel continues to turn. And the speed is heating up. There's eight different vacancies around the league, one of which being a very desirable job in Green Bay with the Packers. Now, Pat Fitzgerald, head coach of the Northwestern Wildcats, has been synonymous with that program for a really long time. And coming off of a Holiday Bowl win, it appears the Packers are interested in speaking with Fitzgerald about their opening would he be interested in that? He joined 670 the score in Chicago and had to answer the question a couple of different times. When you say that Northwestern's always home, did you mean that metaphorically or do you mean it physically? Uh, are we getting in like deep thoughts with Jack Candy here or what? <laughs> oh, cow. I mean, metaphoric. I can't even spell that. And I'm a Northwestern grad. My goodness gracious. Uh, it, you know, listen, it's it's a testament to the program. And uh, I'm just so thankful for our staff. And that's everybody. You know, it's it's uh, strength staff and Jay Hooten and, and our, our coaching staff and Cody Shada and Jacob Schmidt and Chris Bowers, who's now going down to Eastern Illinois with Adam Cushing, you know, from a recruiting and operations standpoint, player development and our nutritionist, everybody, Kevin Kikagawa, our athletic trainers, uh, to our guys that are in our facilities crew and, and uh, everybody. And then most importantly, our players, you know, I've been blessed now to be here 19 years and uh, you should, you should have seen my phone post game, you know, and it was mostly from teammates and, and the guys that I've had the privilege to coach. And, you know, I'm just so thankful to Jim Phillips, the best director of athletics in the country and Morty Shapiro, the best president and our trustees for our, their support. And, you know, we've got a long way to go here as a program and, and that's what we're going to get working on. Not that we've stopped, but, you know, I think to see the commitment of the facility, the Walter Athletic Center, you know, now moving forward, it's to continue to push and, and move this program forward. And, uh, you know, I think we've made a pretty bold commitment to each other now, multiple 10-year contracts. And, you know, my hope is, is that we can continue to do that. But it's a testament to the program. It's not about me. It's about what we've collectively done. And just so thankful for everybody, their effort and their commitment and their loyalty. But Fitz, the Packers' interest is real. And I think it's a compliment to your program and, and to you that the, they have some interest in, in interviewing you. It, have they asked to interview you? And if they do, would you go through that just for the experience of, of interviewing with an NFL team? Well, you know, I'm interviewing with you guys right now, so I don't think I need any more experience. Uh, you know, I feel pretty, I feel pretty confident in, uh, in the way that we run our program. And, you know, the, the word that's overused a lot is culture, right? I mean, it, uh, it, it, I think it's just about the way you run your program, not, you know, not, not occasionally, not, not just to the media, but more importantly, the way you operate 24-7, 365. And, uh, you know, we've got, I think, a, an amazing relationship with the entire league uh, on Sunday, you know, from our relationship with the Bears to, 
you know, I'm very close with a, a number of NFL coaches that allow me to go up and study their game and how they run their organizations. Um, and, and, and I'm very grateful for that. And, you know, one of the best text messages I got was from Matt after the game. You know, he and I are becoming, you know, starting to become pretty good friends. And, uh, you know, I look forward to learning from him and his staff here in this offseason. But, you know, I, the experiences that I want to have are, are those that are, are developing players to be prepared for life and, and winning championships in the classroom and on the field. And, you know, we've got the national championship academically. Now I want to get that thing done on the field. And we're really close, but close isn't good enough. And we're going to be working on this offseason. And I'll continue to do interviews like that. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so, so you're not leaving. There's no chance that you'd go, or would you consider it? I mean, do I have to continue to? to, to... <laughs> we we need constant denial. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Uh, you know, well, I guess the people are just afraid because you know, no one knows what the future would be if you were to leave. For, to a lot of us, you are Northwestern football as a player and certainly as a coach. Well, there's there's that. I appreciate those kind words, but no no person is bigger than the program, and no person is bigger than the university. And um, you know, you, you look at uh, you know, again the commitment, and you look at where we're at. You know, we got a long way to go, and those are the things that we're going to discuss as we're moving forward. But you know, very proud to be a Wildcat, and uh, look forward to doing it for as, as long as uh, you know the university sees that I'm the right man for the job. And if they don't feel that way, I'll understand it. I'll retire, and I'll be out in the West Lot having a really, 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 really good time. Hey, good job by the guys following up on that. This is the story, and I thought that you know Fitzgerald's first answer just felt like a total filibuster, basically naming everybody on his staff. And Jay Hooten and Cody Shada and Jacob Schmidt. That's not really an answer to whether or not you're interested in the Packers job, and then he kind of tried to dismiss it and did suggest he wanted to stay in college, but there was nothing definitive in those answers. So I think it was a good job by the guys in 670, the score, to follow up with him a number of times. I think that is clearly a possibility. You did not hear Fitzgerald totally dismiss it, and it would be silly for him to do so because, hey, if the Packers come calling and he's allowed to talk to them, it could only mean enhanced security if he decides to come back to Northwestern based on what they would have to give him financially and other ways. So I think it's a smart move to talk to the Packers. I think it would make a lot of sense as well. Look, the Packers president, Mark Murphy, he was the AD at Northwestern when he hired Pat Fitzgerald. So that old connection might end up being the difference. And I don't blame Wildcats fans for being paranoid or nervous about this, but Fitzgerald would be crazy not to talk to the Packers considering he's got some familiarity with a guy pulling the strings and you would inherit one of the greatest quarterbacks ever in his prime. Another team looking for a head coach, the New York Jets. Jets linebacker Avery Williamson joined Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts on WFAN and an interesting conversation that began with what type of coach the Jets could need following the firing of Todd Bowles and ending with the admission, yeah, we really weren't that good this year. Do you feel do you need a guy to come in there and really kind of just take over the building? You know, a guy that's going to come in there and just you start kicking rear ends and, you know, this is the way we're going to do it and, we're you know, we're going to win, we're going to win football games here and this is how we're going to do it. Do you feel that that's needed in that in that room? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that. Some guys do better when, in that situation, you know. Um, certain coaching styles don't um, affect guys the right way. So, 
yeah, it could be a plus. You know, having a a very, um, I guess you could say, a, a very um, just straight line guy, disciplined I mean, just, guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess like a Belichick. Oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll take him. that. I'm in no. for that. <laughs> a Belichick kind of guys. Yeah, let's go. Uh, I'll th- we'll tell you something else about history. Bill Belichick, not a fan of the Jets. No, he Never does wants not. To yeah. work no, here. no. So you guys got to. I'm telling you right now. When he really you, hates us. He really when hates you oh, yeah. played his yep. team. Yep. You got you. I mean, it's enough already. I mean, I I know yeah. as a fan, I know Evan, I know Ernie, all us Jet fans that are out there. Okay, we're tired of it. We're tired of being a punching bag for those guys. Yeah, because that's what that's what we are. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I mean, even I look, I didn't expect you guys to win on Sunday, and it was it was over, and you knew Todd was done, and all of that. But I mean, enough, enough of that. You know, enough of thirty-eight-three to the freaking Patriots. Yeah, it was, it was bad. Right? You know what I mean? It was tough. So you should be like, like ticked. Like you see, like, like when you go home now, you, you should like put a portrait of Brady up on a wall, <laughs> and, and that ugly uniform with that dumb stole, Patriot stole guy. Darts. Oh, oh darts my, And just like, All man, year. I, I, I want you, man. <laughs> I want you. I've had enough. Actually, I just put I'm on telling my, you right now. I just put on my ceiling and just throw darts at it. That's there you right. go. I go to sleep. I've had enough. And then next fall, you hit him a couple of times because yeah. he'll be back. That guy's oh, never going to retire. He's never going to retire until they force him to retire. He just seems like yeah. one of those guys never going to walk away, or, or unless he gets injured and they got to carry him oh, out. That's, that's kind of what I mean. Right. That's the yeah. right, right. It's like well, Brett Favre. Right. Yeah. Do, right. Do you think this is my impression? The Patriots are going to find a way to win the AFC. They're going to win the AFC anyway. Do you feel that way when you look at this playoff picture? The Patriots in the playoffs are a different team, I feel like. They just, they always kind yeah. of, yeah, like they find a way to, to wiggle their way in there. I don't know how. So you, you think they're going to the Super Bowl? I, was, I don't know. Who's the best team you played this year? Let me ask you that. Were they the best team you played this year in your mind or not? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of all we played. You played yeah. Chicago. You played the Chicago Bears. Chicago was, yeah. Yep. Chicago was talented. Texans. Yeah, he played Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't really just played the Colts and beat the Colts. Colts. Yeah, for the teams that are in the I playoffs. I mean, they were. They were Colts were like terrible, terrible. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. weren't very yeah. good. Well, you beat them, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> and, then they, and here's the. And how about this? This is so jet like. So then you they guys, almost, wait, so they win nine out of ten to end the year, and you lose nine out of ten. Man. I mean, that's the Jets. That's we, it. We we sparked we sparked the season. <laughs> <for them. laughs> Great stuff from Avery Williamson and Joe and Evan. Interesting that he admitted that they could use a disciplined head coach with the Jets, considering it always felt like while Todd Bowles was respected and a good guy and players liked him, that there was just too many things they didn't do well, maybe weren't sharp enough coached, and that just the details, attention to detail, was something that the Jets continuously lacked under Todd Bowles. But by the end, to admit, yeah, we beat the Colts, so I guess they weren't that good. Colts were like terrible, terrible. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. weren't very yeah. good. Well, you beat them, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you're right. That's great stuff. The Detroit Lions made their head coaching change last year, bringing in defensive coordinator from the Patriots, Matt Patricia. This was a non-playoff season, and while there's certainly a lot of heat on Patricia for how he handled press conferences and the team and everything else about this season, essentially. The quarterback's also under some major scrutiny in Detroit as well. Another season for Matthew Stafford in his prime and yet another non-playoff year. This year, a losing season. Former Lions quarterback Dan Orlovsky joined Jamie and Stoney, the morning show on 97-1 
the ticket in Detroit, and there was a pretty good back and forth, a pretty good argument about how much blame Stafford deserves for where the Lions are right now. It's been 10 years, and it's always an excuse. It's always a defense. Doesn't have an offensive line. Doesn't have a running game. Doesn't have a good receiver. Got rid of the good receiver. Like, at some point, don't you think it's on number nine? This is a decade of not being able to win and he's had chances. 2013, they had a good line in Stafford. Last five games, couldn't get the job done. 2014, in the playoff game, they scored six points in the last three quarters. This year, it's been on Stafford at least four or five games. Like, isn't there a time, and I think this is why people get frustrated and why the fan base is turned on him. Isn't there a time when you got to say, this is on number nine? My quick answer is going to be no. And this is why, this is, this is why I, I'll say that. I understand it's been 10 years. 2009, 2010 are dead, right? I mean, you're coming off a brutal year. You're still in a somewhat of rebuilding mode, and he's hurt. 2011, what did he do? Light the world on fire. Okay, we found our guy. 2012 has an okay year, right? Just an okay year. Not the year that you wanted to respond off of the 2011 year and um, doesn't play as good. 2013 is the year that that kind of fall apart at the end, right? They don't play well at the end, but dealt with some injuries. 2014, really solid year. Go to the playoffs with a good football team and catch a bad break, essentially. Catch a bad break against Dallas, a baloney call, however you want to call it. Yeah, but the, the, he still had a chance to win it at the end of that game. But, Dan, look about – Yeah, but look, that look doesn't at, make him a bad player. But, he's on the road against sure, a good football team. Sure, but, but, he's on the, but here's the thing. He's yeah. on the road against a good football team – and he doesn't get it done on fourth and four because the offensive line gets collapsed, like, that's not on the quarterback. 2015, lights the world on fire. 2016, has a good year. Like, 2017, has a good year. 2016, they were up two games with three to play, and Stafford... He, was he, awful he in the last the, three games the, against the, the Giants, the Cowboys. I mean, Dan, I understand I mean, he's your he friend, with, but like, okay, I, when, you, when he played with a, a a middle finger that was was, was in jail. again always the excuses. Like, don't no, you ever the realities? He had an awful season this year. You put Matthew Stafford on the Rams. Are they as good as they are right now? Oh yeah, Matthew Stafford on the Rams. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 going to be easily in the top two seats in the NFC. You put Matthew Stafford on the Bears, they're as good. You put Matthew Stafford on the Saints, they're as good. I mean, God, I, I don't. Oh, Matt, I don't. Matthew Stafford as good as Drew Brees? No, I, I take Drew I Brees. Hey, I, know. I didn't say that. Okay, I didn't say that. What I said was, I mean, and if you look at the numbers this year, they're not that different. Brees and Stafford picks are up different, but other than that, not that different. I, I, I'm not saying Matthew Stafford is as good as Drew Brees. What I'm saying is. Those teams, look at the, the surrounding picture. Look at the surrounding help on those teams. It's not close. It's not even in the same category. It's not even in the same. The Rams lost one of their best players and still did not struggle. They had a two-week stretch where teams started playing them different and did not struggle. The Lions lost their best player offensively or one of their best players, and it was like, whoa. So, Listen, I, 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 can, I, I love getting this into this conversation. I appreciate it. I know that everyone thinks that I have a slight bias or a great bias because yes. he's my friend. <laughs> and, may, and, and maybe there is a rose-colored glass to it, yes, because, but it's also a bias because I've, I've been in the room with them. It's also a bias because I've well, seen him work. Dan. It's also a bias because I've seen the stuff that he's done. Hey, look, I, I believe that there's some truth there, that if you put Matthew Stafford on a couple of other teams – 
that they would roll right along. That if Matthew Stafford was on the Rams, that offense would be able to put up huge points. I think that's probably fair. Sean McVay and those weapons and that scheme, I think Stafford would be just fine. But let's stop short of saying the Saints would be as good with Stafford as they would with Drew Brees. That's just not fair. Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer. Drew Brees is one of the greats of all time. Drew Brees is a savant at running that offense. Putting Matthew Stafford in that offense on that team, as great as the running back by committee is right now with Ingram and Kamara, as good as the defense has improved the last couple of seasons, as good as the coaches with Sean Payton, there's a lot of that that works because of Drew Brees, and you cannot simply put Matthew Stafford in there. I think that Orlovsky makes a point that Stafford's good enough to keep a lot of big offenses humming pretty well. I don't believe that you could say he could go to the Saints and they would be the same team. In Philadelphia, all seemed lost a couple of weeks ago, especially when Carson Wentz went down with the injured back again. And yet here we are heading into wildcard weekend and the story of Nick Foles continues as they head over to Chicago to take on the Bears. Ray Didinger, longtime NFL writer, joined WIP's morning show in Philadelphia. And the best part about this is when host Angelo Cataldi finally gets Ray to give his prediction, and Ray picks the Eagles, and Angelo just ends up screaming. The Eagles just can't afford to go in there and make a whole bunch of mistakes. They can't afford to get penalties and get themselves in long yardage situations, which will which will make the Bears' pass rush that much better. The Eagles can't turn the ball over and give them easy points. They can't do any of that stuff. They have to go in and have to play pretty much mistake-free football, which is hard to do against this defense because they're good and they're fast and they're physical. So as good as as good as Foles has been to this point and as good as he's been over the last few weeks, he's going to have to even be sharper and more precise in his decision-making. I, I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be close. Uh, and this is a game where one mistake could make the difference. The thing that's uh, a little scary, I know you don't like when I give you these numbers. No, I need numbers. I All need right. numbers. Going back to 1990, I didn't go back beyond that because I think the numbers become irrelevant when you go beyond that. But since 1990, teams that have to play on the road the final week of the regular season and then go on the road again in the first round of the playoffs, those teams are 19 and 43. Ah! That's a bad number, Al. So that's, uh, that's, that's pretty ugly. And... Uh, so that's kind of what the Eagles are up against here, because the you know the Bears are red hot. The Bears have uh, they're not the one nine. Of the, and people say how hot the Eagles are, and they are. But the Bears are even hotter. The one nine of the last ten. They're seven and one at home. The only game they lost at home, they lost to the Patriots. If you want to try and make a case for the Bears' record, maybe being a little misleading, they did have the easiest schedule in the NFL this year. That's cool. so maybe twelve and four is a little bit misleading. They're, they're if you combine the wins of all the teams they beat this year, it's the fewest. Of, of any of the teams in the league. So all right, the Bears may be a little inflated. Uh, the record may be a little inflated. All right, Ray, we, got, we have to know, Ray. Ray, we have to know. Uh, I'm taking the Eagles. Ah! 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 <laughs> Please explain, Ray. Uh... I, I really believe in the experience factor. I really believe that uh, the Bears are um, the Bears are a young team in many areas. 
Uh, and <clears throat> I said this on Comcast Sportsnet last night. I, I was looking at the Bears a lot this week, and I'm thinking, they remind me of somebody. And then it just occurred to me. I said, you know what they remind me of? They remind me of the Rams last year. You know, a rookie head coach, you know, off, off, brilliant young offensive mind. You know, that was Sean McVay. Here you got Matt Nagy. You got a young quarterback, blue-chip quarterback in his second year. Looks like he's starting to figure it out. That was Jared Goff. This is Mitchell Trubisky. And defensively, you have the old Yoda-like defensive coordinator. Last year was Wade Phillips. This year it's Vic Fangio. Um, to me, they're they're like mirror images of each other. And you remember what happened to the Rams last year. They had a great season. Yep. They went into the postseason. And in their first game, they ran up against the Atlanta Falcons, who were the defending conference champions, a more experienced team, and they lost. Because I really do believe that in the postseason, that experience factor is huge. And the Eagles have it. Part of it is I counted this team out after the New Orleans game. Me too. I I wrote them off. I I mean, I didn't see any way they were going to get this season back on track. So I doubted them once, and I can't bring myself to doubt them again. I love Philadelphia. If you pick the Eagles to win in a playoff game, all you get is a cacophony of screaming behind you. I'm taking the Eagles. Ah! 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 That is amazing. Man, you know, if Foles and Peterson and the Eagles pull off this win, this upset, man, it is going to be five alarm fire in Philadelphia. We're going back to the Super Bowl. And then they would end up going down to New Orleans in the divisional round next weekend if they were able to win this game. And let's face it, everybody would feel all that magic bubbling back to the surface. Fascinating combination of dynamics in play, as we've talked about all week, with Nick Foles heading into Chicago with another chance at playoff glory. From a college football standpoint, we've got two more teams left, of course, Alabama and Clemson coming up on Monday night. One of the teams that are no longer playing and a team that's probably licking its wounds right now, the Georgia Bulldogs. They pulled and pushed and dragged the Crimson Tide to the mat in the SEC title game, but then end up going out with a whimper against Texas in the Sugar Bowl. Rick Camlin, and John Michaels on 92.9 The Game in Atlanta discuss this disappointing end for the Bulldogs and really go after Kirby Smart and the players for getting a little too brash on Twitter. If I'm Kirby Smart, I literally am printing out all of the tweets that you guys sent out during Saturday night, and I'm pinning them in the weight room, and I'm making you watch the video of this game over and over again. Think back. Remember, uh, I think it was Urban Meyer. Florida gets beat by Georgia. It's the game that Georgia runs on the field and celebrates after the first touchdown. They get blown out. Run the football all over the place. Urban Meyer put the number of rush yards that they gave up, and if I remember correctly, Florida had to do that amount of reps every day. You're going to get – you want to stink? We're going to run 180 yards every day because you can't do it. And they came back motivated. This can be a very teachable moment right now for Kirby Smart, but I'm printing out every one of those tweets – And I'm telling these kids moving forward, stay your butts off Twitter. No more Twitter during games. Focus on football. Maybe we'll come out and play a better football game than we played in the Sugar Bowl. You know what it speaks to, John? It speaks to entitlement. It speaks to uh, uh, being coddled, and it speaks to sort of a soft mentality that you are going to take shot. And it also speaks to just not getting it. If Georgia players are going to troll Notre Dame on Twitter uh, while Notre Dame gets blown out by Clemson, essentially intimating that we're better than them and we should have been in the playoff and all the, it's unfair. 
it's it's gross. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Uh, it, it shows a lack of institutional control by Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart should have known. These are young kids, man. Right. You got a little phone. You got a Twitter account. Ha, 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 ha. He should have uh, before. Hey, guys, I don't want you tweeting during this Notre Dame game. Okay? They made it. We didn't. We took two L's. No, he didn't deliver that message. Kirby's message all along was probably like, damn, we should have been there, man. We should. No, you should not have. You lost two games. John, if this debate rages for the next 20 years about Georgia not making the playoff in 2018, my head is going to explode. I, you're you're not you're not going to get oh the fun uh, laid back fun loving Rick Camp you're I, you're going to get a guy hitting you over the top of the head with a hammer. Stop it! Don't you want it to end? It ended for me. I I but, was. But you dumb. know that there, there's a lot of oh. dog fans out there still pissing and moaning about this oh, damn thing. Yeah, and we talked about it Monday. I said, put your phones away. Stop. Like it's over. You didn't make it. Too bad. Shouldn't have lost by twenty to LSU. That's why you didn't get in. And the only thing that happened last night. And again, I'm it doesn't validate me. For people out there that were wondering, should Georgia have been in, last night's one of those games that validates, no, you shouldn't have been in. You had your chances, and you didn't get it done. This is the same team that Oklahoma was able to come back and beat. They lost their first game. So if you want to do head-to-head comparison, Oklahoma lost on a neutral site to Texas by three. Georgia lost on a neutral site to Texas by seven. Oklahoma was able to come back on a neutral site and win by what eight, ten, whatever it may be, eleven. I think in the in the in the chance in, in the Big Twelve championship game. So there's your head to head who you were going against, whether you should have got in or not. Look, I think they're right. This is a Bulldogs team that wanted to chirp about how they were left out and Notre Dame's no good and they belonged in there instead of Notre Dame. And then they go out there and get embarrassed by Texas. You look silly. You look stupid. And who knows how much of the Bulldogs. Lack of effort in that game was disappointment and not playing in the playoff. And that was, you know, some type of booby prize, if you will, going into a bowl game that they didn't care about. But you can't crack on other teams for getting the spot that you didn't get and then go out there and look the way that Georgia did. I don't know if I'm going to kill Kirby Smart here because, boy, if you're a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old and you don't live on your phone and you don't have a Twitter account and you're not chirping all the time about injustices in your life, like not enough pizza, your PS4 crashed, the lighting's no good on your selfie. I mean, you're a rarity. You're an anomaly. So football players, college football players on Twitter and social media, not rare. I don't know how you keep them off social media, but that was a bad look for Georgia. And finally, in the NBA, Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors with a huge game against the Houston Rockets coming up on Thursday night. And, of course, this Houston team is resurgent over the last couple of weeks with James Harden returning to an MVP level. Now, the trade deadline is coming up, and the Golden State Warriors don't feel as dominant, aren't as dominant as they had been in recent years under Steve Kerr. So, 95-7, the game host Damon Bruce asked Steve Kerr, What do you need? What will you ask the front office to get you or try to acquire at the trade deadline? I know you can't mention a name, so let's just talk about a a conversation that you and Bob Myers would have. Like Bob walks up to you and says, Steve, what do you need to get you between now and the arrival of Boogie? And and you say to Bob, well, I need rebounding. I need a three-point shooter. I need... Somebody who rotates better, weak side help. Like, what are your list of needs you would like to see addressed if Bob Myers can add someone for those needs? 
Well, to be honest, it's not really somebody between now and when DeMarcus comes back. It's really for the long haul. Yeah. Uh, from that job to the playoffs, for insurance in case of injury, uh, for depth. I, I when I played with the Bulls, uh, we we had one year we had uh, John Sally and James Edwards on our team, and they were both at the end of their respective careers, and they hardly played. But come playoff time, you know, they each came through with big uh, defensive stops. Literally, just they were out there for a minute or two guarding Patrick Ewing, and they made defensive stops. Uh, Sometimes that's all you're asking for is just, you know, one possession in a playoff game. You just want to make sure you have all your bases covered. And so I think that's the focus uh, for Bob and, and me and, and you know, management. We're, we just want to know that we're covered uh, come playoff time against every matchup that we might face and, and uh, you know, so that we have some insurance in case of injury as well. The DeMarcus might be coming soon bell was rang maybe possibly a little prematurely a few weeks ago by those who want to see it happen, trying to speak it into existence. If I could quote Lonzo or Lamar Ball, uh, <laughs> um, it feels like a full slow your role has been deployed, but then I see that he's got full contact practice now with you under his belt. What, what is the latest on DeMarcus Cousins, and are you really going to make me ask you about this every week until we actually see him? Couldn't you just give me a date now and stop it all? I'm not making you do anything. I mean, <laughs> you're choosing to ask him, so that's, that's up to you week in and week out. Fair enough. <laughs> I choose to ask you about his return right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. He's, he scrimmaged uh, on the road in Portland and, and Phoenix, and um, you know he's playing some five-on-five, and uh, he's taking part in practices, uh, you know, full go, getting ready for, uh, you know, trying to, to learn all the the offensive sets and the nuances of the, the stuff that we run. And he's doing all that stuff. It's a matter of conditioning and, uh, and Rick Celebrini telling us he, that he's ready to go. So he's a lot closer now than he was, uh, you know, a month ago for sure. But uh, we don't, uh, you know, we don't have a date yet. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Man, I got to tell you, this is hysterical. I don't blame Damon Bruce at all for asking this question because Steve Kerr's willing to go there. But you got to be kidding me. This is the most stacked roster ever, ever in NBA history. And now it's what do you need? How about this answer, Coach Kerr? Nothing. We're good enough. We've just won three championships in four years. We've added Kevin Durant the last two years, and nobody's been able to touch us. Guess what? All we got is all we need. How about that answer? I mean, this is amazing. Talk about rich people problems, first world problems. So you've got maybe four future Hall of Famers on your roster. You've won back-to-back championships, three out of the last four years. In fact, this is a team that set the all-time record for most regular season wins ever. Let me ask you, what more do you need to win a championship? Insurance, Steve? Insurance? Or insurance. How about we don't need anything? We're good enough as we are. The Warriors are unbelievably unlikable sometimes. That will do it. Your best of sports talk radio for Thursday, January the 3rd. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on radio.com or the radio.com app. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.